in our previous study in Psalm 23, verse 4, we saw the shepherd taking his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. As we thought about the shepherd leading his sheep through this treacherous and dangerous valley, we were reminded that our journey to the house of the Lord is not without the valley experiences of life. For the Christian, life will end in glory, but that does not exempt us from grief during this life. The paths of life often lead us to the difficult and gloomy valley experiences of life. Yet we saw that the reason the shepherd led his sheep through the valley was in order to take them to the high country. We saw that the valley was only a passageway to the mountain. The springtime feeding and the arrival of the summer heat leave the fields bare. So the shepherd leads his flock through the valley so that he may take them to the cooler climate of the high country, that he might take them to the tableland, which would provide green pastures for his sheep. David speaks of that tableland in verse 5 of Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. The table that David speaks of there in verse 5 is not a table such as the one we sit down to when we eat. Obviously, the shepherd was not setting a table that his sheep could pull a chair up to and eat. He is talking about the rich green pastures found in the high country. It is what is often called a mesa or tableland. Why does our Lord allow us to go through the valley experiences of life? It is to lead us to the high country. Or to put it another way, it is to lead us to heaven's tableland. As Christians, we should want to be led to higher ground. We should never settle for the average, ordinary Christian life. We should always be pursuing higher ground and seeking a closer spiritual walk with the Lord. I've often heard people humbly say that they would be content with just crumbs from the Master's table. Maybe that's why we have so many crummy Christians. I once heard someone describe many Christians as brill cream Christians. These are the kind of Christians that a little dab will do you. The goal of the Christian life is to go farther and farther and climb higher and higher. It is to dwell on heaven's tableland. It is to dwell on another level than just the ordinary. Let me ask you this. Was Christ an average, ordinary, frequently defeated fearful and discouraged Christian? Of course not. Then we should not be either. After all, we are supposed to be like Him in character and conduct. All of us are supposed to be continually becoming more and more like Christ. Not ordinary, but extraordinary. I'll never forget reading the testimony of the preacher and Christian author Charles Trumbull. He described the great fluctuations in his Christian life. On occasions, he enjoyed conscious fellowship with the Lord, but then would find himself down in the depths of defeat. There were seasons when he was lifted up, but then there would be a decline. He wrote, sometimes by a single failure before temptation, sometimes by a gradual downhill process, my best experiences would be lost, and I would find myself back on the lower levels. His testimony is the experience of many believers. They are up one day and down the next. On Sunday they are shouting, but on Monday they are pouting. You know what I mean. Hot one day and cold the next. 
in one day and out the next. Living one day as a victor, but the next as a victim. As I read the Bible, I find that God never intended the Christian life to be such an experience. He intended the believer to live in the high country, not the lower levels that Trumbull described. God never intended that we live in the wilderness. He wants us to dwell in Canaan. Heaven's tableland is His goal for our life. Therefore, it should be our goal as well. I like to think of Heaven's tableland as the abundant Christian life or the victorious Christian life. The purposes of our valley experiences is to bring us to Heaven's tableland, to bring us into such a life, a life of blessing, power, and victory. Having said that, I draw your attention to the shepherd bringing his sheep to the tableland. We read in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. As we see the shepherd bringing his flock to the tableland, there are some things about the tableland we need to understand. The first thing I want you to see about this picture is that heaven's tableland is not without its problems. William Avery Rogers, in his book, The Shepherd and His Sheep, wrote this, From the time the shepherd took his sheep out of the fold in the morning until they were back in the fold at night, they were in great danger each step of the way. He described four particular perils that sheep face. First, there is the peril of enervation. That is, there is the peril of losing their strength, of becoming exhausted. Second, there was the peril of environment. There were extreme temperatures, such as the heat during the day and the cold at night. There was the rough terrain and sudden storms that made the environment a danger for the sheep. The third peril of the sheep he describes is that of entanglement. A sheep could get caught by its heavy wool in a thorn bush or low-hanging limb and be unable to free itself. The fourth and final peril that Rogers described is that of enemies. As David describes a sheep moving into the tableland of the high country, it is this particular peril that he thinks about. We see in verse 5 that he speaks of the sheep being in the presence of enemies. The word enemies speaks of the adversaries of the sheep. For the sheep, there were several adversaries. There were the wild beasts that could and would attack the sheep. David, as a shepherd, was well acquainted with such adversaries of the sheep. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we hear him telling King Saul, My servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. There were wild creatures, such as the lion and the bear, that were a peril to the sheep. There were also the wolves, coyotes, and especially in the high country, a little snake called the brown adder. It is very poisonous and lives in holes in the ground. And as the sheep nibble on the grass, they come out of their holes and bite the sheep on the nose, bringing sure death to the sheep. Guy King, in his commentary on Psalm 23, wrote this, Sheep and shepherd become aware of the tramp of the wild boar, the baying of the wolf, the yell of the jackal, the scream of the hyena, and worse of all, the leopard. As another writer said, others than the sheep are looking for their evening meal. These are the enemies of the sheep. 
Likewise, we that are the sheep of His pasture are not without our enemies. They are the enemies of our spiritual life. Let me say two things about our spiritual enemies. First, there is the certain presence of enemies. Just as certain as the sheep had its enemies, we as believers have our spiritual enemies. To illustrate a couple of our spiritual enemies, let me draw from David's encounter with the lion and bear. Proverbs 28 and verse 15 speaks of the roaring lion and the ranging bear. The roaring lion and the ranging bear were two enemies that attacked David's flock. First, there was the roaring lion that attacked David's flock. The lion in the Bible is often symbolic of Satan and how he attacks the Christian. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan's like a lion, sneaking up upon its prey, waiting and watching for the right opportunity to attack us. All we have to do is let our guard down for one minute, and we will become the victim of Satan's vicious attacks. Someone has said that if we give Satan an inch, he will become a ruler. He will become more than a ruler. He will become a devourer and a destroyer. I remember several years ago a preacher talking about how the devil had been chained by the Lord. I understand what he was saying, but I remind you that if he is on a chain, he is on a very long chain. Furthermore, there was the ranging bear. A ranging bear carries the idea of a bear walking his course day after day in search of food. The bear reminds me of our flesh and how it is attached and attracted to the course of this world. We that are Christians have been saved and made to walk in newness of life. But there is a part of us that is still attracted to the world around us and all that this old world offers us. If we do not guard our hearts and lives, our flesh will pull us away from God and back to the things of this world. I think of the legend of the sirens who were sea nymphs who could charm listening sailors with song. The listener was seized with an irresistible desire to cast himself into the sea to his own destruction. The flesh is drawn to the songs of this world and cries of this world. But to yield is to only invite disaster and destruction. That is why Paul said in Romans thirteen fourteen, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He was saying that we should not give the flesh a chance to fulfill its evil lust and desires. Just as the sheep had their enemies, we have our enemies. As the songwriter stated, we are in the midst of foes. Furthermore, I remind you of the continual presence of enemies. J.D. Jones said, Always the fight goes on. We are never allowed to put our swords into the scabbard. The lion and the bear never take a vacation from hunting their prey. And in the battle with Satan in the flesh, there is no vacation. These enemies are constantly and continually watching and waiting for the opportunity to attack us. For the Christian, there is never an end to our spiritual warfare. Never an end to our fight against Satan, the flesh, and the world. It is a constant and continual battle and war. Having said that, 
I point out that David spoke of these enemies while the sheep were in the high country, grazing on the tableland. Their new level of living had not eliminated the dangers that they had faced in the low country. Being brought into the lush green pastures of the mountains had not removed them from the presence of their enemies. Some seem to think that after they are saved for a while, then the battle with Satan in the flesh will ease up. When D.L. Moody was a young Christian, he imagined that if he could live victorious for 20 years, he would no longer need to be fearful of falling. Needless to say, he discovered that his experience refuted such a wrong conception. It doesn't matter how long a person has been saved, there is always the presence of our spiritual enemies. And with their presence comes the danger of becoming a victim of their attacks. We must never think that we can get to a place in our Christian life when we can let our guard down. We may find ourselves growing in the Lord, experiencing God on new and higher levels, being brought to heaven's tableland, but even then we find ourselves in the presence of enemies. Heaven's tableland is a life of blessing, abundance, a life of power and glory, but it is not without its enemies. The simple truth is, the sheep are never any more fatter than when they're grazing in the high country. Yet the fatter the sheep, the more tempting they are to the enemy. A life of blessing does not eliminate our spiritual enemies. It only invites and inspires them. Never forget that heaven's tableland is not without its peril. Second, notice with me that heaven's tableland is not without its provisions. As sheep... We may be in the midst of foes, but that does not mean that we are not without provisions to deal with our foes. We see in David's words, at table, as sheep, we may be in the midst of foes, but that does not mean that we are not without provisions to deal with our enemies. We see in David's words, a table. I've already explained that this is a rich pasture of luscious green grass in the high country, a tableland. The shepherd has brought his sheep here to provide for them green pastures in which to feed for the summer. The word table comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to spread out. Imagine the sheep coming through the valley and as they top the hill or mountain, before them is a pasture of green grass spread out before them. Many Christians live and act like being a Christian is only having a snack bar or vending machine from which to eat. I want you to know there is a table spread for you. We don't have to be starving spiritually. We can feast on heaven's table land. You don't have to feed on barren land. There is a table land prepared for you. Now when I think about the shepherd leading his flock to this table, I think of a twofold reason why he has brought them here. First, there is the growth of the sheep. The shepherd leads his flock to the tableland during the summertime in order to fatten his sheep off the rich, nutritious grass of the high country. A healthy, growing sheep will produce much wool and bring him a great reward. The Lord our Shepherd wants us to feed off heaven's tableland in order that we might grow and become fat in the Lord. We read in Psalm 92, verse 14, They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. As Christians, 
we are to be spiritually fat. When it comes to our spiritual life, we should never be dieting. We should want to be as fat as we can be. We should want to grow spiritually as much as we can. We should want to grow in the Lord and to experience His blessings and power as much as possible. May we all become fat sheep. But there is another reason why the shepherd has brought his sheep to this table and there is not only the growth of the sheep, but there is also the girding of the sheep. The shepherd not only leads the sheep to the table land in order to satisfy his sheep, but also to strengthen his sheep. He wants the best grass for them so they will be healthy and strong sheep. Notice the word preparest in Psalm 23 and verse 5. We will consider the picture found in that word in a few moments. But let me point out something interesting about the particular word that is used by David here in verse 5. The word that is translated preparest is used in a variety of situations in the Old Testament. But one that I found very interesting is that the word is frequently used in a military sense. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 2 we read, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The words set the battle in array is the same Hebrew word translated preparest in Psalm 23 and verse 5. In this setting, the word is used to speak of equipping a soldier or soldiers with the proper food, the necessary training and equipment to fight a battle. As believers, we have our spiritual enemies, but the table that the Lord has spread out for His people provides a source of spiritual nourishment that makes us strong in the Lord. If we are being overcome by the enemies of our spiritual life, you can mark it down. We have not been living in heaven's table and, and feeding off the table the Lord has provided for us. We do not have to be weak Christians. We can be strong. As we feast off heaven's table and we are made strong. As we chew on the truths of the Word of God and draw from the resources of the Spirit of God, we are made strong. What I am saying is that we as believers do not have to be victims. We can be victors. We do not have to be overcome. We can be the one that overcomes. We can be victorious in our battle with enemies of our spiritual life. Heaven's tableland is not without its perils, but neither is it without its provisions. There are divine resources from which we can draw and be made strong. Having said all that, there is one more very important truth that I want to share with you from David's words, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Lastly, Notice with me that heaven's tableland is not without its preparations. I previously drew your attention to the word preparus, but now let me describe for you the picture found in the word. Please understand that the tableland in which the sheep feed in order to grow and be strong has been prepared for them by the shepherd. Early in the season, the shepherd would make preliminary trips to the tableland to prepare it for the arrival of his sheep in the summer. He would pick out the best beds and then take several measures for the benefit of his sheep. He would check and see if there were any poisonous weeds. If so, he would take the end of his staff and root them out. He would remove any thistles, thorn bushes, stones or rocks that could bring injury to the sheep. 
He would look for potholes in which a sheep could step in and break a leg or in which snakes could hide. He would also look for signs of any lions or bears in the area. As well, he would clear out the water holes, springs, and drinking places for his sheep. He would remove the debris of leaves, sticks, and soil that may have accumulated during the winter. He would carefully scour the pasture for anything that could be detrimental for the sheep and carefully and thoughtfully prepare it for the arrival of his sheep. This picture should speak volumes to us believers. From this picture, we can glean one of the most important lessons we can ever learn in our Christian life. Follow me and consider with me that first, in this picture, we see the work of the shepherd. The table and the sheep enjoy and benefit from is the result of the work done for them by the shepherd. All they enjoy and experience comes from merely resting in what the shepherd has done for them. The secret to the Christian life, the secret to living on heaven's table land, the secret to overcoming the enemies of our soul is resting in what Jesus has done for us already. Do you remember that in the beginning I mentioned Charles Trumbull and the up and down experience of his Christian life? The turning point of his life was when he went to a missionary conference in Edinburgh and heard a message entitled, The Resources of the Christian Life. Trumbull said, I expected him to give us a series of definite things that we could do to strengthen our Christian life, and I knew I needed them. But his opening words showed me my mistake while they made my heart leap with a new joy. What he said was something like this, The resources of the Christian life, my friends, are just Jesus Christ. Trumbull said that once he realized that it was Christ in him that was the secret to the Christian life, he described a new fellowship with God utterly different than anything before and infinitely better than anything he had ever known. In addition, he had a new kind of victory, victory over besetting sins, the sins that used to throttle and wreck him. As believers, we find ourselves in the presence of our enemies. The spiritual enemies of our soul seek our defeat and destruction. Yet the victory that we can have over them is not in ourselves, but in our Savior and what He has done for us. As Paul declares in Romans 6, verse 4, We have died with Christ, we have been buried with Him, and we have been raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. Let me put it this way. Our Lord's work for me on the cross in His resurrection and His ever living to make intercession for me is my source of spiritual strength, my source of power and the ability to overcome in life. The grounds of my victory are the work He has done for me and is doing for me. In short, the secret to living a victorious life is just Jesus. I love the illustration that Charles Weigel gives in his sermon, The Victorious Christian Life. He said, There are thousands of church members who are living beneath their privilege. They sing about living on the mountain while they stay in the valley. They are trying to be Christians without the power of Christ. They are enduring religion instead of enjoying it. Having said that, he gave this illustration. A young man who has been raised on the farm and knows nothing about city life decides to seek a job in a large city skyscraper. He is put to work as a porter in the building about 15 stories high. A clerk 
sends him to the tenth floor with a package. And not knowing any better, he climbs the ten flights of stairs with it. All day long, he is seen climbing the stairs to the various floors. And when evening comes, he is more tired than he has ever been in his entire life. The next day is the same way, and so on till the end of the week. When he opens his pay envelope at the end of the week and finds in it seven dollars, He is disgusted, and finding the superintendent, he tells him that he will not climb the stairs all week for such wages. The superintendent asks in surprise, what are you climbing the stairs for? He replies, how am I going to reach the other floors unless I climb the stairs? The superintendent then takes him and shows him the elevator. They get on board and ride to the top floor. The boy is delighted and decides to keep the job. The next day he is seen asking if there is anything anybody wants him to take to the top floor. His work has never been any easier. Many believers are running up and down the stairs and they are about ready to call it quits. They are so weary and defeated in their Christian life. Their tongues are hanging out from trying so hard to be what they should be, do what they should do, and not do what they should not do. Yet what they don't realize is that Christ is their spiritual elevator. Just as the sheep draw from the work of the shepherd, we draw from His death, burial, and resurrection all the power and strength we need to be victorious. The simple truth is, we do not have what it takes to defeat the devil or the flesh. But we know one who can. Within ourselves, we may not have what it takes to overcome the devil and the flesh, but if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, then you know the one that can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil.